<laughs> Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today I'm joined by a special guest co-host. Hi, I'm Colin Smith. Yay. Ray, thank you for having me. And today we are joined by two very special guests. We've got a reporter for Decider.com. Brett White, hello. Hi. Hello, thanks for being on. And we have the author of Infinity War, The Cosmic Quest, Volumes 1 and 2. Brandon T. Snyder, what's up? Hey. Um, And today we're here to discuss Avengers Infinity War. I figured it was about time that we talked about this uh, because... I've been thinking about this movie since I saw it. Um, <laughs> and Brett writes a lot about Infinity War. Brett, I feel like you like still writing about it was kind of what made me feel like I can still do this, right? Like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it just came out on VOD yeah. uh, like two or three weeks ago. So uh, that's and since Decider is all about streaming movies and TV, that means that my Infinity War like hot moment was August <laughs> <laughs> writing all about a lot of it. And I wrote a lot about it. And then, so of course I wanted Brandon on since I was like, ooh, I know someone who writes these books. Yes. <laughs> Don't try to pry secrets from me because I have a chip in the back of my neck. If I say the wrong thing, Marvel Studios will kill me. So just like, <laughs> know that and be weary of it. Listen, you're not the first, but we had James Marsters on for uh, one of the episodes of Buffy that's like a big Spike episode. And he's on The Runaways now. Yeah. And, and I asked oh, yeah, him. Yeah. I asked him about that, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I can't really talk about Runaways." He was like, "They have Marvel Police on set," and he said that he thought at first they just like hired a lot of bodyguards. And he asked why they had so much security, and they're like, "Oh no, it's to keep any of you from tweeting or talking about this." Wow. <laughs> so I always feel like if even like he has that on Runaways, and like he's one of the dads, I imagine it's very intense doing anything for them. <laughs> Yeah, like, I have learned to really respect and understand what an NDA is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thankfully, like, yeah, like, Marvel Studios has been really cool, like, with a lot of things. But, like, yeah, got to respect that NDA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, I wanted to ask you, because you do write kind of like movie, not adaptations, but in-universe books, mm-hmm. do you get, like, advanced copies of stuff? Or do they kind of just give you the info you need to know and that's it? I, it really depends on what it is. So for Infinity War, the um, the information embargo was like across the board. So I had to see the movie with every like with the weekend that it came out because I was not able to access oh. that information. Um, so, but but I so basically when I started the process of writing the Cosmic Quest Volume One because the book deals with the Grandmaster, I did get access to Thor Ragnarok the script before the movie came out, oh, cool. so that I could so I knew where he was and I could incorporate things from the from that movie in my book. Um, but because the the volume one was sort of a prequel to Infinity War, like I didn't necessarily need to know too much for for volume two that I started writing before Infinity War came out. Um, I did need that information. And so what well, was kind of funny because I went out in early 2000 or 2018, I went out to the studio to meet with a guy named Will Corona Pilgrim, who is sort of like the info master at marvel studios he really has like the biggest grasp of everything that's going on and everything that's been in the films so we basically sat down and hammered out some of what volume two would be um without him telling me what happens in the movie 
<laughs> it was sort of like he would guide me in a direction and I would be like, okay. And then, I mean, I had already started writing. I mean, I think I had already gotten through like a majority of writing the book when the movie came out. So basically when the movie came out, I, I went and saw it on that Friday in the theater with my editors. And then the next week, like I had to sit down and recontextualize so many things um, because of what I found out in the movie. Um, and it was, it was a real interesting challenge. I, I didn't necessarily like, it wasn't like something that I had a problem with. Like I totally understood the embargo, but um, to sit down and go like, okay, like now I know why I was guided in that direction without having, uh, you know, specificity as to what to do with certain characters. Um, but yeah, like it's, it, it's really, it's difficult to not have all that information, but I also have to say that as I, maybe just as a thing of getting older, I'm, I miss going into a movie and not knowing much about it. So it was really nice to go into Infinity War and have some theories, having read a couple things, but really be like, I don't know what to expect. Like yeah. I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive into like fan listicles and things. So it was kind of exciting like that. I think I would just be stressed being like, I have to write, I have to like rewrite a book after I see this movie. <laughs> Definitely stressed, but, it, but in, I really like that challenge. Like I've learned a lot working on this particular property um, as a way to, you know, when you're, hand, when you're given X amount of tools, you have to sort of figure out how you're going to build something. And so figuring out interesting ways to build these stories with limited access to all the tools was like a challenge that I really actually enjoyed. So yeah, Infinity War. I told everyone this already before we started recording, but uh, your boy took five pages of notes, so clearly I'm going to need to breeze through these. Um, what do we feel about the opening? Oh, the opening with the uh, death of all the Asgardians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, like, talk about starting off a movie on a grim note. I mean, I, I mean, I remember for work I pitched an article of like I'm kind of dreading this movie. <laughs> like, it wasn't. I was. You know, I'm excited for new Star Wars movies. I was excited for Black Panther. But this one, I was like, I don't know if I want to see all these people die. And so then you start off the movie with a scene where Heimdall dead, then Loki dead. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, this is going to be rough. I have like a eh, – I'm like weird about the opening because I do think it's really good. But I have a very – I don't know. I think it'll be unpopular opinion. I don't really love Thor Ragnarok that much. Oh, oh my God, Ian! <laughs> I have to. I have another appointment. I need to get to. <laughs> I just. It felt like they rebooted Thor, and I didn't like. I don't love Thor as a like really really ditzy person. Like I liked him as a fish out of water, incidental ditz, like on Earth because he's not used to Earth things. But mm -hmm. I don't love that carrying over to like his actual world. Um, and I also don't love all of his best friends being murdered and him never even mentioning their names. <laughs> like, that really well, bothers really me. Got, he never got time to. Yeah, he didn't really have time to really but think of them. <laughs> then later in Infinity War, he says that Heimdall was his best friend, and that is bullshit. <laughs> well, Heimdall's only his best friend because Idris Elba became a superstar right. in between the making of, like, four, <laughs> of, like, Avengers 1 and Avengers 2 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Brett, that's why, but, like, in the first movie, it's like the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif like are his best friends. Yeah. 
Emily and I also hate I hate shit like blind spot keeping Jamie right. Alexander out. And it's like, guys, come on, find a way. But then I'm kind of like, I'm well, I'm glad she wasn't in Ragnarok because then she might have died. <laughs> yeah, definitely would have been dead. Um, now they can just be like, oh, she was on Earth or have some whatever plot if they ever bring her back. Uh, well, they can always just say, like they did with Valkyrie, just be like, well, she wasn't in the movie, so she's still alive. That's, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, and they right? say later on that Thanos only killed half of them. Like, so I'm assuming like Valkyrie, Korg, and Meek. Because yeah. Korg and Meek are two of my favorite characters. And uh, I, I do like Meek. those characters. Don't get me wrong. I like, I do like all the characters you're introduced to in Ragnarok. I just didn't like Thor himself, and I didn't quite love the plot. Um, but I do love, like, I loved, I wanted to. That was another thing in my notes. I wanted to see, even if it's just them escaping, and I know this is, like, kind of big, but also, like, Marvel has the budget to, like, hire Tessa Thompson to film a, you know, five-minute yeah. scene of her getting on a escape pod. Like, they have the she budget. She was there. I'm pretty sure they were, like... So I think she is in the next Avengers movie because I do think there were set photos of her there. I thought um, I had, yeah. I thought I knew that she was in this movie going into it, and yeah. I was surprised <laughs> I didn't see her. <laughs> but Loki's death is, like, pretty brutal, uh, like it almost feels like one of the crueler deaths, doesn't it? Yes. But I was really happy when he died because, um, I had him in my dies in the first 20 minutes death pool <laughs> <laughs> and he was the only one that I got right. So as soon as he died, I was like, ah, yes, thank you. Because I felt like story, like story wise, I was like, Loki has to die in the very yes. beginning. Cause they're going to start with that scene. Cause it's sort of the Thor Ragnarok dovetails into it. And I was like <sighs> reading all the stuff about it being Thor's movie. Like, you know, Thor's the one that drives above. I was like, well, then they're going to have to kill Loki in the first part of the movie because like that will have to drive Thor. And I was on that thing of like, is Heimdall the soul stone? And so I would get in this like headspace where I was like, I've got to figure out what the soul stone is. So I didn't even know what was going to happen with Heimdall. So then when he died, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, there goes that. But other than that, like I felt like that very first scene was like exactly what I thought it would be. You know what I mean? And it was really, it was really cool having this the uh, mirror moment of Loki saying we have a Hulk, yeah, and then yeah. Hulk showing up. It's like, oh, that's it's it was such a cool parallel. These movies are so good over like macro note of like these movies are so good of they feel like they were written by the same kind of tumblr minutia freaks <laughs> that we all are uh because little moments like that of them pointing out like yeah have loki say we have a hulk because that is a perfect mirror moment to the yes. 2012 avengers movie and the all these movies like black widow is my favorite character i have two black widow hot toys that i have not packed away yet and <laughs> You know, when I was at CBR, I made, like, a tiny career out of overanalyzing every Black Widow moment. And then, like, there's so much. She's in this movie for six minutes. But mm -hmm. there's still so much deep shit that is all true to her character. She has, again, like, an own mini arc that's continuing from Civil, Civil War. Like, I just love the intense overcare. Like, these could just be Transformers shitty beat-em-ups yeah <laughs> but like actors care way too much they're trying way too hard and like the directors are doing too good of a job <laughs> it's how dare you be so good <laughs> right i mean i feel like it's all just very earned right i feel like we spent so many movies with these people we care about them and then like you said they're all doing their performances like yeah Scarlett johansson's in the movie for six minutes but I'm not her biggest fan, but I think she's really good in these movies. I don't know. There's, like, things that you don't even... Like, the first time I watched it, I didn't realize 
yeah, the like so so many of the characters only have like maybe ten minutes. You know, if they're mm-hmm. not like Tony Stark or Captain America, they maybe have like ten full minutes of the movie. I don't know. I I think that everyone also gets enough time. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that like I think that what was nice about Black Widow um, was that I mean she didn't. Yeah, like I don't think that she needed to be the A story in this. Like she got some great close ups, which were all reactions to the insanity. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like a bonding moment with the other ladies. She had a, oh my gosh, you're back. Like she had all these nice close-ups where you knew exactly what that moment meant to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? The thing that I, I went on a Twitter thread about this is the first time I watched the movie, I didn't really understand why, because she was so mad. I mean, we're just kind of jumping around now, but <laughs> <laughs> she was so mad when they went and like, they rescued Wanda and Vision. And then when they get into the Quinjet after they save them, she's like, we told you to keep your comma on. And at the first time, I was like, why was she so cold? And then, like, when I do my writery brain thing, I'm like, oh, if you look at her through line, she's the one that's gone from a aggressive loner who doesn't want a team to I'm going to stick by Cap. I want a team. I want a family. Even when Civil War, like, her whole arc in Civil War is about, you know, I, I'm staying with Tony because I don't want us to all fight. And then her ultimate being like, eh, fuck that. I'm going to yeah. run with you guys. And so mm-hmm. when she is angry at Scarlet Witch because that's part of her newfound family and her doing that jeopardized it. And it's not her being angry at her. It's like that kind of anger. Like she's the parent that expresses her like love through a terse word that maybe she'll take back later. And, you know, she does take it back later when they all like save each other and bond. And like those are two scenes. That is a scene of her getting mad on the Quinjet and then later her and Okoye and Scarlet Witch all teaming up to stop Proxima Midnight. And it's like, those are two scenes, but they are an arc. Like, they, yeah. she gets a tiny, tiny little arc in maybe 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah. I get worked up. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, the scene at the end with Proxima Midnight, when she says she's not alone, is actually one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Uh, yes. yes. And that's, like, that's it. That is the redemption of that tiny little moment of, like, why did you turn your comm off? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, she was mad because you're not alone. We are in this together. I will always have your back. Ugh, I love it. I love her so much. So we are jumping ahead. You know, Thanos blows up the ship. He kills Loki, which is really brutal. I I was really glad because I was worried because I definitely was worried. I was like, please don't make Loki join Thanos for this movie. But I remember even watching it being like, but he's not in the trailer that much. So he's not going to, right? Yeah. No. He's I not in like... any promo photos. Yeah. like. Yeah, I feel like Loki has kind of overall served his purpose. Yeah. And yes. he died saving his brother. Like, again, like yeah. his, you know, five movie character arc is really complete. And his last word was like, you'll never be a god. Like, that's it's yeah. perfect. So I felt like almost that could lead to a uh, like young Loki rebirth for like a young Avengers type. So I feel like that's where his character was yeah. going towards that character more than the adult Loki we have in the comics. Absolutely. Um, and also, I wanted to say, uh, and I mean, I sprinkled these out throughout. Leslie Jones tweeted in her live tweet, wait, he killed Thor too? What is happening? Is Thanos Trump? And I thought that was a really good <laughs> 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 So then Hulk crashes in Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. Wait, Brett, how do I say that? <laughs> the Sanctum Sanctorum? Oh, was I right? Okay. Yeah, I think I, so, yeah. In my head, that sounds like Sanatorum, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Before this moment, Bruce has never actually remembered what the Hulk has done, right? Well, I think it's probably he was a human when the Thanos ship attacked, and then he probably turned into Hulk. I mean, honestly, he might have turned into Hulk. I don't know a second before Loki said we have a Hulk. Yeah, true. Oh, so yeah, like, you true. could, yeah, you could, yeah, you could uh, no prize that. 
I don't know how you gentlemen feel, but I actually really love Pepper and Tony, and I was really glad we oh, saw yeah. her in this. Yeah. Uh, mm. I They are maybe the only, like, MCU couple, even throughout the shows and everything, that I actually, like, genuinely love and enjoy watching together. I really, no, I have to say that I totally agree with you, and something that I love about their relationship is that there's such a casualness to it. Yes. Um, there's such a familiarity with those with the between those characters and between those actors that everything that they do and the way that they interact with one another just feels so natural and organic that yes. I mean it's yeah. also I remember reading and hearing about all of the improv that they did oh, in yeah. like Iron Man and you can just tell that they that they built this rapport so when they're on screen together you never feel like you're watching the love story it's yes. never yeah. like Mm. Oh, here we have, don't you want to get invested in this? You're like, oh, here's like a natural couple who are bickering and then they're laughing. Well, I think Pepper also really, she totally revitalized the lead air quote love interest character. I think Marvel, Gwyneth Paltrow should get credit for that. Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios should get credit for doing that. Because when you go back and watch the old Batman movies... Who is Vicky Vale? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> you know, right, or who right. is Jennifer Connelly in The Rocketeer? Like, there are all, there's always that hot, you know, a beautiful woman who gets maybe like one punch in against the Nazi, but then she's always captured. Yeah. And I think, like, Pepper Potts ended up killing, I think, two of the main, like, she <laughs> killed Killian in Iron, yeah. <laughs> in My, in Iron Man 3. Uh, and I think it's all, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, John Favreau, Kevin Feige, Robert Downey Jr., like, all coming together and deciding we're going to cast Gwyneth Paltrow in this role and then we're actually going to let them act and do what you guys just said like inhabit these roles have a real cool back and forth and then also make her essential to the franchise and give her an arc over three movies that culminates with her you know kind of becoming a badass but in her own way a way she doesn't yeah. like and is terrified of you know because there's that thing too of like we're gonna take this character and make them a badass so that they're like oh, i'm one of the boys now yeah. but that's not what they did she was she like oh no i don't that. want this i will do it but this is freaking <laughs> me out i remember uh iron man 2 being like "Ooh, am i not gonna like them together because i liked the i thought they would like maybe dull down the like chemistry they had because I, I don't know how you guys feel but sometimes in like big movies like this the chemistry falls flat once it's like oh the couple's a happy couple right mm -hmm. and that never happened to me with the two of them I, I yeah i totally agree i think i feel like they're just it just feels very and i say comfortable but not comfortable in a boring right. way it's just like it's really it feels it's real yeah yeah it just feels real and like I'm sure for the next one that there will be brand new circumstances that we all have to deal with with their relationship. But um, I, I just am invested in them as a natural, normal, enjoyable couple. Yes, yes. I remember I like gasped in Spider-Man: Homecoming at the end when he was like, "Oh, got the ring," and I was like, "Oh, I love the fact that she was in that movie." I was like, "Oh my god!" Right? It was a great cameo. <laughs> I have this fantasy that like because every, so much stuff is done on green screen but I have this like fantasy of like trying to schedule all this stuff that really there's just at Marvel Studios just like one green screen and so like Perfect. if you're Gwyneth Paltrow and they're like can you, we want you to be in this and she's like yeah you can get me for 20 minutes this Sunday <laughs> and she'll be like Tony and then she does like five takes of whatever that scene is and then just layer her in yeah and pay her a million dollars yeah <laughs> So the one thing this movie does for me is Doctor Strange, I didn't dislike the movie, but I felt it was 
the for me like all of the stuff looked really cool but i didn't quite care about the character but in this movie i immediately like dr strange like 10 times better yeah he's um, very good in this yeah i like i liked seeing him interact with tony i liked seeing because i felt like dr strange was more like here's magic it exists but seeing him in infinity war like tony calls him the wizard and like you know, you're embarrassing jokes. me in front of the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, that's that makes Doctor Strange more interesting because it's like, oh, look, he does have all these magic powers, but like he's in a world where that isn't the norm. So everyone's like, what the fuck? It's uh, the really great. I mean, after the movie came out, the Marcus and McFeely, the two screenwriters wrote about how Niles and Frazier <laughs> were the inspiration to putting them together because they're like, when they did Frazier, they, they decided to make the father the opposite character and give him a brother that is exactly like how he was when, at the beginning of Cheers. Uh-huh. And so they're like, well, let's take, I mean, who, when Doctor Strange came out, everyone was like, he's just another Iron Man, egotistical guy, yeah. learns <laughs> humbleness <laughs> after having an accident. And I love that they were like, yeah, let's put them together because then you see how different they are, but also how similar they are and how, because they're so alike, they can get under each other's skin in such a great way. And I think that's such a brilliant, brilliant choice. That whole like little team and then having Spider-Man in between the two of them, even better. Yes. Um, Yeah. Speaking of Spider-Man, then we get, so Tony gets to Doctor Strange, goes to his place, they all have a chat and then we see disaster striking and then we get spider-man and literally every fucking scene with (laughs) spider-man i love him too much he is just a precious (laughs) baby and i want to protect him and like tuck him in (laughs) (laughs) it's another great it's such a great casting because i love spider-man homecoming and it's basically because oh yeah that movie is such low stakes but because tom holland brings such a vulnerability to that character that you want to take care of him. And even something as simple as like, oh, he's crushed under a rock. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lack of preciousness. Like it, you know, with uh, sometimes I think going into, like he just sort of plays the scene. He's not trying to play a younger character. He he's is a kid. A, yeah. He's well, like Tom Holland is playing Peter Parker as if Peter Parker kind of like thinks he's an adult. Like he doesn't, he doesn't. He's not acting cute and teeny because Peter Parker yes. doesn't think he's that. Peter Parker's like, right. yeah, I'm gonna hang with all you guys. Wait, I don't right. know how to do this, but I'm still here. <laughs> like, I, I have to say that one of my favorite moments of the movie was when we see that Peter Parker is on that giant wheel um, and he's going into space. I, it kind of takes your breath away in a way because you're like oh my God, like, this is really fucking serious. Like, this yeah. is, I won't return to Earth serious. Like yeah. This is so out of his depth. <laughs> I just, like, I think we get so desensitized, too, because there's so much action and stuff, like, in all superhero movies where you're like, well, if, you know, another villain comes to destroy yeah, the city yeah. and blah, 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 that these circumstances that are so fantastic, we lose the real world consequences so like for the fact that they sort of you know tony has this moment talking to pepper where the phone starts going out and you're like oh my god holy shit like yeah this real this is it felt really real yeah and i also think like the movie's starting out like i also want to point out that the fact that the very first big set piece of the movie is this new york battle which would be the third act of <laughs> mm-hmm. any other movie 
sets the tone up. I will say, like, stepping back a bit, Last Jedi and Infinity War changed how I think about blockbuster movies uh, structurally because they're both movies that start out with the biggest point and then don't let up. I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of, like, Tony Stark exhaustion around the time of, like, Age of Ultron. Right. Mm. I, I really... I thought Civil War, of course... It made sense. I didn't love Tony because I didn't agree with him. Um, and But I felt like with Spider-Man Homecoming, it somehow revitalized Tony for me, at least. And this movie is 100% I love him again. And he's like 100% like one of my favorite characters of the movie. Uh, and I'm not quite sure what did it. Maybe Robert Downey Jr. cared a little bit more, but I definitely was having like, like oh, I'm tired of Tony Stark. We don't need him so much, but I really like he has so many good lines even in this opening when he calls Ebony Moss Squidward you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards and when he says to <laughs> to uh Spidey and he's like he's from space he came here to steal a necklace from the wizard is just like yeah. such a silly summation but like not incorrect <laughs> right and very Tony yeah. I mean it does also really hammer home that I mean Tony's the he was the first hero we met in this entire universe and so again that this feeling of the culmination the third act of 20 movies or whatever having him be so prominent i think he might feel fresh again because this is so many of his own personal plot lines all being tied up like all Mm -hmm. like his weird visions in age of ultron his ptsd after the first avengers movie all of that like knowing that thanos was the cause of all of that knowing that thanos put that fucking scepter on earth that gave him those nightmares and thanos mm-hmm. caused an attack on new york that fucked up his brain for a while and having him come face to face with him 10 years later it it's it's movie making on a scale and long game planning that we've never seen and i don't think any other studio is ever going to figure out how to do it because they keep trying and failing <laughs> so before we get full on into space I just wanted to point out, anyone who knows me knows, um, I used to drink a lot in New York at Stonewall. And when Spider-Man saves Doctor Strange, they're like in the West Village right in front of Stonewall. Oh. Yeah. And the light post that he hangs onto is definitely a light post that I like drunkenly leaned against trying not to vomit in the street <laughs> at like 4 a.m. <laughs> and I just needed to like, I was like, <gasps> like I paused it and I didn't realize this when I first watched it and I paused it while I was watching it last night and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and now that light post is in space. And now it's in space. Um, I was really glad that I did think that somehow, I mean, granted, even in the trailer they showed him fighting Thanos, I thought somehow uh, when like Tony makes uh, Spider-Man fall back down with the parachute, I thought it was like, oh, now Spider-Man's like grounded on Earth. It's like, it makes sense why Tony wants to remove him because he is a kid, but I was glad he wasn't because, of course, we want to see our hero and I want to see my precious child do the superhero mm-hmm. thing. The movie Larger also does a really good job of making everyone useful. Uh, yes. The movie mm-hmm. is all about choices. And I don't know, this is, again, jumping ahead, but I think, well, them, them make sure Spider-Man is in space. It's not like he just went along in space for the ride. He also came up with the plan to take out Ebony yes. Maw. Uh, he also then, like, was instrumental in, like, you know, pinning down Thanos. So, like, the screeners did a really good job of, well, okay, we're taking Spider-Man to space. What is he going to do? How useful is he in what way? And the way that Thanos gets every single Infinity Stone is all these individual choices. Every single stone is a choice. Like, and people hate on Star-Lord for doing (laughs) what he did, which we'll get to, and I wrote a piece defending him, because he is just one tiny Jenga piece 
in a tower of Jenga like things or whatever. <laughs> like Loki didn't have to give him the space stone. Like Loki could have sacrificed Thor. Wanda could have sacrificed Vision immediately. Uh, you know, everyone could have made all these choices, but none of them did. And the the way that the the screenplay is so tightly constructed, where the end goal we get to, which is you know hopefully one of you know the one reality that uh, Doctor Strange saw the one where we win yes. uh, is all the result of all these very human, very emotional choices. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we get uh, Guardians of the Galaxy finding Thor. Thank you. I like Dave Batista and I kind of, I appreciate how he's much he's defended uh, James Gunn, but like, I think Drax falls flat for me. Like every joke he makes falls flat for me. Oh, I love Drax. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Drax in this film. Yeah. I, I, I like them talking about how hot Thor is. I was like, this feels like it was written by a straight guy who tries to show how cool he is with his sexuality. But, I mean, those were written by James Gunn. So, yeah, right. I think you could, you're safe right. there. But, but like, like, I wanted Drax to say, be like, oh, yeah, he's hot. I would fuck him. Like, that's what I wanted Drax to say. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, he does say, like, no, this is a man. You yeah. are a tiny, like, this. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I did not appreciate that he called uh, Star-Lord, like, chubby or fat. Because I'm like, <laughs> give me a fucking break. <laughs> if Chris Pratt is chubby in this movie, I'm, I am 4,000 pounds. Well, yeah, I will say, as someone, Chris Pratt is my hottest Chris. I think Chris Pratt is the worst Chris personality wise but i do i can't help but think he's the hottest chris physically because i have a type in season five andy dwyer is my type uh so i will say i do think he is a little bit chubbier in this one because his cheeks are a little bit rounder but again not physically because he's always wearing a fucking jacket so you can't tell if he's bigger Uh, (laughs) yeah i agree i mean i just i yes i i know what you mean in the face because i I, I won't lie. I did w- watch it with an eye towards his zoftigness to be like, can they even get away with saying this? Because I'm, I'm not. And I was like, yes, in the face, he is a little bit yeah, more. And that's it. It's sort of the fact that he doesn't have chis- the chiseled cheekbones he had in the first two Guardians. Yeah. Chris Evans is just so wonderful that I, I like can't not think of him as the best cap as the best character and Chris Evans yeah. as the best Chris. Um, I just want him to marry me or be my the like mayor of a town I live in. <laughs> That's an like, odd fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Social media can be very stressful for me on many levels. Especially oh, really? That's crazy. To, How so? <laughs> like, I, especially when trying to communicate simple ideas amidst a, a, a haze of anger. Yeah. Um, but somehow... Chris Evans can communicate very effectively and very simply. Yeah. Um, still maintaining his anger. Whereas I want to just be like, fuck you, Trump. He can be like, you know, he can say all these things with such aplomb that I'm like, how? Like, are you doing this? Is somebody writing this for you? It like, honestly feels like the cat, like, like Marcus and McFeely are also writing all of his tweets because so many of his tweets are like, those are good Captain America lines. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't like bullies. It's as simple as that. It's like, wow, that's great. Yeah. Like there's something, yeah, there's something about it where I'm just like, how are you doing this? Cause you're not real. Like you're not real. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he's the man of my dreams. Um, so I did like the Kevin Bacon line. Uh, and I like Thor being like, Oh, he may be on the team. I don't know. <laughs> I really like that. And I do find it charming. I love Thor calling Rocket Rabbit. So then we get Vision and Wanda. I wanted um, all of you boys to tell me your opinion on them as a couple. Because since we just discussed Pepper and Tony, um, how do you guys 
feel about Wanda. Because, okay, for me, I love Wanda. I relate to her as, like, a vague Hot Topic girl. Uh, <laughs> and But I don't really buy them together as much. But I don't know that I need to. Okay, so I'm totally with you because there's, you know, Wanda in the in the comic books is very powerful. She's gotten you know, a lot of visibility over the years where things have been really centered on her and her powers and her yeah. struggles and things. So there is part of me that looks at this relationship and I'm like, I've seen it play out over the course of a few movies, but I have to admit that I don't know that I care about it. And I don't know whose fault that is. I don't necessarily like, I, like, and I've thought about it, but I'm just like, I just, ha I just haven't cared. I'm like, okay, they're on the run, whatever. Okay. And uh, oh, what a, she's like, oh no, I'm not going to kill you. Like, I just, I, I don't know what it is. Also, there's this thing. Um, it's like the, it's like the Halle Berry storm uh, accent. <laughs> First of all, he's a robot. So I don't know what that looks like in the sack, but secondly, <laughs> like, once they get into the like the meat of like we got to protect the mind zone and stuff like that, I don't know. They, I don't feel like she's been fully realized yet. I hope it is my hope that that whatever the next stage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like, that they really give her something that she can own. But as it stands, like her and Vision's relationship and her in particular, I'm like, it has not been realized a way. Yes. It has not been realized the way that I would like it to be realized. I think I, part of the yeah. problem there, sorry, is that it relies too much on knowledge of the comics versus yeah. actually the films. Yeah. For their relationship to actually have the tension and, like, depth that they're trying to portray. I will say, like, I do like both of them. As an X-Men kid, the movie, and of course I've always been, like, aware of all the Avengers. I, like, write them off and on and stuff, but I'm an X-Men person. I always thought the Avengers were boring, and so the MCU is really... You know, even though I'd already been reading comics for, I don't know, 16 years at that point, they're really my versions of all these characters. And so I, I mean, like, I'm of the crazy opinion that I think that Scarlet Witch and Vision are better in the movies because they're so much simpler. <laughs> they're just like so <laughs> void of so much insane, two very, very, very continuity insane characters. Marvel's really good at distilling the essences down and just like being this is what they are. They're this thing. Run with it. And I think that also part of my affection for Scarlet Witch and Vision comes from my, you know, uh, appreciation of Star Wars bounty hunters. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I love me some Dingar and Forlom, and Dingar is like fucking not even in Empire Strikes Back. He's on a wide shot, and that is it, you know? <laughs> like, part of me, like, I, I have to temper my appreciation for Wanda and Vision because, <laughs> you know, you look at, I think they don't have a lot of screen time, period, over the course of like three movies. Uh, so there's also part of my love for them is like the expectation of like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get more. Can't wait to get more. Still can't wait to get I'm so excited to get more eventually. <laughs> um, but I do, I think this scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because I just love seeing how powerful Scarlet Witch is without Ooh. being yes. over the top reality warping powerful that she is in the comics. I love a good, oh, I mean, we're basically getting into that whole thing and I wrote a whole article about this, but I love underdog moments. Uh, like I had, a, I had a tweet where I was like, Anne is one of my favorite episodes of Buffy. Cause it's like season three premiere where she spends the entire episode being subservient to this like dumb old, you know, low key demon asshole. 
uh, because she's like had a bad summer. And then at the end, when she's like, no, fuck all y'all, I'm a slayer. She kills all of them. It's great. <laughs> and so this scene is like, I love them being like, yeah, we're just going to go and just pick off these two. And then they like wreck shop. And then the people that save them are all the fucking human Avengers. <laughs> so so <laughs> when Wanda and Vision are having their talk before Corvus is it Glaive? Corvus Glaive? Glaive. Glaive. Uh, yeah. Before he stabs Vision, there's a sign behind her that just says, we will deep fry your kebab. I wanted to point that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what happens in the sack. <laughs> I love seeing... I agree. I think the fight is good. I love... Because we haven't gotten enough... I think until this... Like, this movie, we definitely do. But prior to this, Wanda was kind of always like... Ooh, she had these energy powers, but then she's knocked unconscious. Otherwise, yeah, she could just kill everyone and, like, the battle's over. I also really respect the way that she is powerful because, like, the Marvel movies have so many amazing female characters, but they are all... Right. And I love all of them, but they are all fighters. They're all tough in the same way. Yeah. Like, I, like, there are differences between Gamora and Black Widow and Okoye, but they're all just ass kickers. Yeah. And so to have Wanda be, I mean, she's powerful in a very feminine way. Yeah. Like, she isn't a physical fighter. She has these creepy, like, finger ballet moves that she does, yes. and that wrecks havoc. And it's like, yeah, there are multiple ways of being powerful. And I think that is so cool. Yeah. I wanted to read Leslie Jones's tweet about this because I had to, because I feel like this is how we all feel. Like she, her tweet was <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, introducing my motherfucking husband. Oh my God, Captain America, you are fine as fuck. And you got a beard motherfucker. I didn't know it, but those were the exact words I was thinking yeah. when I saw Cap on screen for the first yeah. time. <laughs> so you, everyone can go to decide and read my Captain America's entrance in Avengers Infinity War is a religious experience <laughs> essay that I wrote. <laughs> and because it is the moment when that happens in the movie, the movie is so great at tossing so many things at you that we're now what 30, 40 minutes into the movie and we haven't seen Captain America yet. And you've kind of forgotten that he's even a thing because so much <laughs> is going on. And then the moment he shows up, in my in my screening, there was just this the the applause, but also the feeling of relief, yes. like the feeling mm. of like we are all going to be taken care of. The movies have done such a good job of building up this character, building up Steve Rogers and Chris Evans to giving us the Superman that DC can never give us. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Black Widow, the Black Widow and Falcon moment immediately after that. We're fucking, uh, like, Cap, like, throws Proxima's spear at, at Natasha. She catches it, and then it's like, man, like, I love... Black Widow is the Marvel Universe's Batman. She's just a fucking person who's good at guns and <laughs> fighting. And I love that everyone rags on Hawkeye and just being guy with bows and arrows. And I'm like, guys, like, Black Widow's the exact same, and no <laughs> one says anything about her because she's such a fucking get-shit-done badass, and I love her. <laughs> I like... I like that she is like the silent ass kicker. Like she doesn't need dialogue. Let yeah. let yeah. let her speak her language of physical <laughs> combat. I have to also say about that scene, the on the on the Avengers Infinity War instrumental soundtrack, uh, my favorite track is Help Arrives Extended, which is that, you know, that like build up to that yeah like i got chills when i watched that in the theater because that theme and knowing like that like 
help has arrived. Like it was like, now we're like moving into this new, like now the story is really moving. Like we're getting, yeah. we're getting, we're getting it all together now. Like they, the, like they are the Avengers. They're the active Avengers. And it's like, that's the three of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And they kick ass. And just like the, the win moment for humanity of like, yeah, y'all fucking giant aliens got these two powerful assholes on the ropes. And who's going to save them? A super soldier, his bird friend, and like, <laughs> Bitch with a stick. Like, they're going to take the crap out of you. with a stick, ladies I, and gentlemen. I love them so much. <laughs> so then we get, you know, the the half of the Guardian, most of the Guardians, go to nowhere to visit the Collector. And so do we think Thanos did this so he could kill Gamora later? Like, he wanted to see if she would actually kill him? Or is he just being a drama queen? Oh, dr- messy bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A messy bitch that lives for drama. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the first time he, like, dispersed Drax and Mantis, I gasped in the theater because I thought, like, oh, that's the end of Drax and Mantis. That was it. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, but they did that. That's that thing, too. I thought the very same thing. And then you realize that, like, things kind of go back to normal for some people after Thanos leaves. So it's like, oh, like, they just don't pick themselves back up and everything's fine and... I did really like that reveal, though, that of the reality stone. I thought that was really, yeah. um, I, I thought that was bold. Like, and having written in my thing, like, about, like, the collector, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how he's going to be utilized. And so watching that scene, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, and then you realize that, no, he's already dealt with all this. And everything starts to dissipate, and it starts to turn red, and you're like, oh, like, it was another moment of, like, yeah. Thanos has thought this out. He's yeah. and the collector is dead, right? We're supposed to assume that. Yes. Yes. Okay. No. I would assume, but I don't know about that. Oh. Ooh. I, I was. I, I, are, I just, are the Marvel just... police going to come for you now? Or um. Uh, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> um. It's weird. The first time I saw it, I thought I like watching it for the podcast. I really thought that I we saw a scene of him dead, but we don't. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I thought that we saw him like slumped over in one of those tubes, but we don't, right? Yeah. Then now we're getting to one of my weaker plots. I wish we got a little bit more of Thanos and Gamora. More? Yes. Really? So wait, wait. She's in the movie for the most. I know, but I mean, they're traveling together, and he's torturing her, right? Like he's like. Yeah. But I wanted more, like of. Their backstory was literally a little girl is upset that her mother's dead, and yeah. Thanos thinks she's well, cute. You, there is a deleted scene, which is a deleted scene, so it doesn't might not count. But there is a deleted scene of another flashback of her, like when she was at like you know the peak of his assassin pupil era thing that uh, they cut. See, I would have, I would have liked that. Like, I felt like yeah. the flashback we got, I didn't even need that flashback. I would have preferred the one you just said was cut. Like, I would have preferred that because I felt like I. I needed a little bit more from between, like, her being a cute... Like, it didn't make sense for me for Thanos' personality for him to be like, oh, she's cute. I would have liked it if this little girl tried to kill him. And, like, that's why he liked her. Because that would make more sense in my brain for him to respect this child and want to take yeah. her under his wing. There is something... There is something weirdly... Thanos is so complex and interesting because there is something weirdly... It feels worth saying this. Benevolent about his madness because he's only cruel to the half genocide that he does. Right. Like he, the fact that, well, there's evidence of like the fact that when he uses the reality stone to kill Drax and Mantis, he doesn't make it permanent. It shows that like, well, he could have. So like, I don't know, this is again, me trying to extrapolate 
Like, there's that. Uh, oh, God, I thought of another one. I mean, also the fact that, like, he doesn't kill Gamora immediately and is weirdly tender towards her. And then I guess this whole M.O. being, I'm doing this insane, horrible thing because I think it's for the good. It's very twisted and perverted, but it does all link together to form this, like, softer side of Sears part of this <laughs> madman, like, space Hitler asshole. I thought it was just, like, I totally, I think I see what you're saying, but, like, I think I in- didn't interpret it as benevolence, as just, yeah. like, a calm focus. Because, like, you know, how many times have we seen, like, people where they're just, like, they want to take over and they're, like, yelling and they're screaming and all this earth. Like, he was just so focused on his task and so task-driven that it was, like, there wasn't any time to, like, revel in chaos or have any of those sort of, like, dramatic, like, um, you know, ha-ha-ha moments where he just was very focused on getting those stones and, and completing the task that all of those little bits where he showed mercy, it was yeah. like, it was a way to say like, you don't matter to my mission. There's the weird thing when it looks like he's killed Tony. And as Tony is dying, Thanos has that moment where he says, if it like, you know, to comfort you, you'll, you should know that you did save half your planet or whatever. And it's played, like looking back, I feel like it's played as I think Thanos is being Gen- like he's not trying to troll him yeah he's not being shitty I he means feel like he's being like no genuinely i'm only gonna kill half your planet which again is like this weird why is like it's a weird act of respectful sadistic kindness in a weird way in his final fight when he has all the stones he doesn't just immediately go in and wipe out all the avengers he just kind of blows them all to the side until he gets the Mind Stone. Yeah, uh, oh, you know what? I thought about that. I mean, we can talk about it in a second. Actually, no, I'm just talking about it now. When he blows <laughs> play, like, there were some things that I was, like, not surprised, but you're, like, he really just bl- blew them away. Like, it wasn't like, I'm going to blow you away and keep you pinned or whatever. It's, like, wave of a hand. Whoa! I'm just <laughs> yeah. flying backward. It seems like he's got a new toy. And he's like, well, I really just want to take this for a spin. Because yeah. it's kind of like, well, like in a second, it's going to be exploded because it's going to snap away half the universe. So while I got it, I might as well just like see what all I can do. <laughs> can we talk really quickly about the CGI of Thanos? Because the other day I was watching Justice League on television and I was so, I mean, like, you know, whatever. It's a, but like Steppenwolf, the CGI with Steppenwolf was so, ugh. and like I, when I see Thanos, I'm like, I'm really pleased with that CGI. Like I thought it was pretty seamless. So I really like Thanos. I think he really works. I just, my, I actually do have this in my notes. My two only issues with the CGI are when Thanos picks up someone, it looks off. I don't, I couldn't tell you what looks off, but it just looks a little bit off. He loves picking up people. And he does. He does. Yeah, he, does that's his favorite that. thing. Um, <laughs> but every time they show it's a scene. Gyms and picking up people. <laughs> it just looks like a little, I don't know. And then the only other CGI that doesn't quite work for me is when Bruce Banner is in the Hulkbuster outfit. Uh, oh, the, no, no, no. Yes. Yeah. It does seem a little Pixar-y. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also yeah. because they're playing it for comedy, so maybe that's supposed to be pixar you know? <laughs> Oh, like, no, no. I, I remember being in, the, like, uh, I say this like it was 20 years ago. I remember being in the theater. <laughs> I remember being in the theater, and there's that moment where he's like, oh, you're in trouble now, or whatever. And I was like, did they do that, like, yesterday? Like, it looks like they <laughs> like, we need you to come in and just do a head thing, and then we'll just place it in. Like, it was... 
that all that Bruce Banner head stuff was just yeah. so bad. Yeah. I love Spidey introducing himself to the fucking cape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the like, Cloak of Levitation is kind of uh, one of my favorite characters. Team Spidey, Tony, and the cape is great. Like, I <laughs> love that team up. I don't know if we all felt the same way. Doctor Strange face sometimes looks like a drag queen did his makeup, but it's like a drag queen on her first night. <laughs> 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 and like nothing wrong with it it just sometimes looks like that because his beard is like so polished that like well, the no whole team... get up i mean it does definitely feel like the like the man drag episode of a drag like <laughs> yeah right and, like flowy robes and a goatee that's manicured <laughs> would he be booka spells <laughs> thank you thank you very much you're welcome lord brandon <laughs> Also, I teared up again when Spider-Man's at Spidey's face when Tony's like, "Here, you're an Avenger." I was like, oh, "My yes. baby." <laughs> and then you have Karen Gillan, who's I think is basically like she's spitting every line out with so much hate, and it's so great. Yes. Oh, I, I, I love, love Karen that. Gillan. I so I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't quite completely sold on her the first movie, but my my like weird guardians opinion is i think the second movie it improves upon the things of the first movie like i think it does what a sequel should do and i think it's like weirdly underrated i don't know why a lot of people didn't like it uh and it made me like nebula more like i felt like it gave her way more depth oh yeah i mean the yeah. all the nebula gamora stuff as like a lead into this movie too is also yeah. just so well done like the two of them they're dynamic Ugh, it so it crushes me. Like so, I'm glad that Marvel Comics have retroactively inserted that into their histories. Yes, yes. Uh so then we get which I do think for me is the weakest of the plot points. And I like these characters together, don't get me wrong, but Thor, Rocket, and Groot. But I didn't want to read Leslie Jones' tweet about that. <laughs> Why dude won't tell Thor that that he's not a rabbit? Hey man, I feel like we're friends now, so you can stop calling me rabbit, because I'm a raccoon. <laughs> So I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I can't vouch for... I don't either. Okay. Um, I know you do, Colin, right? I do, yes. Yes. Do you, Brandon? Uh, uh, no. I tried to in the beginning, and then I was like, I don't have time for all of this. So <laughs> it's too much, too much. Peter Dinklage's acting in this movie feels like Jenna Maroney doing Shakespeare. Yeah. I agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. He's much better in Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> it like, feels like he... Wild didn't know the tone yeah. like they didn't fill him maybe he well he definitely only read the scenes he's in and i guess if you're peter dinklage and you get okay these are the scenes i'm in oh it's a tree and a raccoon and we're making a hammer okay it's silly true yeah <laughs> yeah no he was one of the he was one of those people that was like did 20 minutes of green screen on a, like <laughs> seriously like that's how they did it like they're like he just showed up and was interacting with like a PA with a weird hat on and like a rod. It's like, this is Thor. Like, I also want to say about Etri, I was really like, who is Peter Dinklage in this? And I thought it was going to be Pip the Troll. And yeah. when it wasn't, I was like, oh, okay. But, um, but I, yeah, the thing about the acting where it was like, you know, Peter Dinklage is like a super respected actor who like shows up. But I was like, yeah, I don't know that anybody really gave him a heads up as to what he needed to do to, make his performance work under these circumstances <laughs> should have just played it okay love the movie i don't like ever say anything negative but i'm also like it felt like he was in a scene like a senior in a high school play a little bit yeah. like there's one line reading where he uh when he says the star is gonna kill you and then thor says only if i die and yeah. then he cuts and he's like yes that's what kill you means and that line just it's like you said it looks like he's just not 
caring about what's happening. <laughs> it's a really funny line, but it's like it's it's funny because it's only because it's good. funny. He doesn't deliver it as well as he could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're Thor's Thor's part of it is funnier. Yes, yes. yes. I do like the line of Tony yelling at Spider Man. He's like, I don't want one more pop culture reference out of you. And I do love Tony yelling at Drax. Are you yawning? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the Red Skull. I'm not gonna lie, when we first saw his like shadowy apparition, I thought it was gonna be death. Yeah. 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 I did too. I do like the callback. It feels weird, but I like it. Uh, ties up that big loose end right from you know seven years ago which is crazy (laughs) i i i I was really excited to be surprised by it like yes like again like i i feel like there are so many things that go into these movies where you read too much you know that it really makes it difficult to find a very natural surprise and so when all of a sudden I heard that voice and I was like, oh, is that the mask <laughs> And then to see him, I was like, it, like part of it was like, like circumstances. I was like, mm, okay, I get it. But like <laughs> circumstances aside, I was just happy to see like an old friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like there are these characters that the movies. So like as comic book fans, we go in like, yeah, Red Skull is the guy. He is the main villain. But because Hugo Weaving doesn't want to do the character anymore, he's in the first movie and is gone forever. Yeah, and so right. therefore the MCU just fundamentally, like Captain America stories, fundamentally look different in the movies because they just don't have that character to play with and had to do other things that were great. So having him brought back in this feels like, yes, great. It's the same thing with like Spider-Man and people who don't read comics not understanding why we needed a third Spider-Man. But crazy people like me are like, but you don't understand. Yes, they've made five Spider-Man movies, but they've barely gotten it right. (laughs) (laughs) You have this like fantastic floor of like, no, you guys don't understand. They're so important. We have to get them right eventually. So bear with us. (laughs) Yeah. Then we move on to the Thanos and Gamora scene, which Leslie Jones literally tweeted, girl, you better shut up. <laughs> uh, that was re- like, really, I was like, Gamora, please just stop. Stop talking. Also, run away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when she started, like, as soon as, like, Gamora, like, smiled and had that, like, he won't do it. I was like, are we are we supposed to believe that she believes that? Right. Like, I didn't buy that she'd be like, ha, 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 ha. oh, you got him good. Well, he's not. Like. I was like, throw her off the cliff now. <laughs> throw her off the cliff. In her mind, she saw it as like, he doesn't love me, so it's not going to work. But like, right. he's still going to throw you off. Yeah, I was it, like, just run uh, away. <laughs> you it makes fast. me so upset. Because I, you know, I want to love my badass ladies. And yes. I love James Gunn. I love the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies deeply. But he doesn't write women well. I have a lot of trouble reconciling her movie person with her comic book counterpart. Because they mm. use the same language to describe her, like fiercest woman in the galaxy, blah, 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 blah. But she just feels like a regular run-of-the-mill, like, uh, bounty hunter assassin. She doesn't feel any more dangerous than Black... Black Widow actually right. feels way more competent and dangerous than her. Yes, I would agree with that. So oh, I... Clay Ape does too, yes. in a way. <laughs> so then we get to Wakanda. Uh, which... Yes. So good. <laughs> 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 That's a terrible impersonation of that beautiful music, which is also inspiring to me, but I apologize. Brandon, I appreciate it. It was terrible, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it's crazy how long it takes them to get to Wakanda because I, for me, so much of the movie takes place there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the movie, not to say that it needs to pick up, but it definitely picks up even more once Cap and the crew get to Wakanda. Well, mm. this is the part where, like, 
I realized just how aggressive the movie was because any other movie, they would get to Wakanda, then they would spend, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes there, but they get there and then like the, the black order arrives immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they go inside, probably like sit down, start to talk. And it's like, Oh, BT dubs incoming. And I was like, Holy shit. They're just doing it now. I think I was like <laughs> taking notes and looked up and was like, wait a minute. Proxima Midnight's already there. Did I miss something? But I didn't. They cut that line, actually, BT dubs incoming. That was originally in the script. <laughs> I also love Shuri, like, again, asserting her role as the smartest person in MCU of, like, you know, poning Bruce Banner. Of just like, why guy, why didn't you do this? And, like, uh, I thought, uh, like, what? <laughs> she's still working on that shit when Wakanda's being yes. attacked. And then the guy comes mm. after her. She's still working on it, picks up her panther gun, and then starts firing. Like, real quick. Again, <laughs> she's a, I don't know, 17-year-old human woman. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, no, well, I'm still going to try and fuck you up i love that yes yes um, i also, i have to say that i also loved okoye and i also love that she had that line about starbucks which yeah. i i thought was like i really connected with i feel like ian you probably did as well as a starbucks drinker yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought you meant this the olympics of starbucks there were all those memes going around of um Basically, like, positing that Captain America is just like, oh, God, our white friend brought all his friends and they're bringing trouble, like, kind of thing. <laughs> Which I also really love that, like, oh, great. Thanks for coming by, guys. Oh, yeah, they're all going to come here and destroy us now. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll help. Great. Also, uh, Leslie Jones tweeted, wait, the Olympics in Wakanda would be fucking awesome. Which <laughs> it would be. And it Bucky, would be. Bucky and Cap hugging gives me feelings. Uh, I feel like I forget they're not actually a couple sometimes. Oh, and then when uh, Bruce Banner is in the costume and he falls over, Leslie Jones yeah. tweeted, this is how I look at most men. And I just feel like that was very relatable. <laughs> are we at the... Okay, so, like, to make me cry again or whatever, are we at the moment where the, like, away team goes to just, like, talk and throw shade at Proxima Midnight and uh who is with her? Um uh, it's Obsidian her, Call. Uh, the big guy, yeah, uh, Obsidian Call, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love oh, first of all, seeing Black Panther, Captain America, and Black Widow all walking side by side gives me chills. Because anytime the movies acknowledge a Captain America and Black Widow's deep partnership. Mm-hmm. And B, just the fact that she's A-list. Like, she's on the fucking level. And again, she's just a person. Um, I love that. And then her walking up and being like, where's your friend? And it's like, bitch, you <laughs> stabbed her husband and killed him. Is <laughs> what you think. And you're like, I love that saucy moment of like, yeah, this is a giant six-foot alien warrior, and I'm just going to mess with her. I love it. And then we get arguably one of my favorite like moments in the whole fucking movie. So the whole, everyone starts running and it's really fucking epic, but cap into T'Challa being like very much running ahead of everyone. Yeah. And they're like, they're human and they're just running face first into this battle because they literally are like pure heroes that are like morally good. Yeah. And I just feel like as a kid, these would have been the heroes that I didn't appreciate as much, but in the hellscape that we live in, that is 2018, (laughs) I really, really appreciate having heroes like them and Wonder Woman, I think are like very important heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just am like, my men. And it's like my non-existent ovaries are like exploding <laughs> watching them run into this battle. <laughs> I don't know how they've pulled it off to create these characters right. and these actors and the screenwriting that come. Like Black Panther maybe has five lines in this movie, but he's such a powerful presence. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I agree with you. He is. He. It's... 
it like is like a service to like I think all the parts of the movie, like the acting, the writing, the directing. Yeah. I you said this earlier, like it could have been Transformers, and it <laughs> could have been, but I think it's weird to say like, oh, these fight scenes are emotional, but they are because we. One, they're not Transformers. And two, like, we've spent so many movies with these characters that we love them. And, like, we genuinely know what, like, the stakes are in this movie. And we at least know that, like, contracts are up. So, like, people can yeah, die. That moment where they watch as the... What are the names of the... What is the name of the creatures that are attacking? I have no I was, idea. I call I, them, like, devil dogs. But I don't know if they... I don't know. I call they them hellhounds and name. Dogs. I forget what it is, but... That thing where you start, they just start attacking, like just, just, and they're, they're getting through the shield and they're like getting cut in half. And they're like, they make that decision to open up the shield because they know that if they get on behind them, then it's over. Um, And just that moment where they acknowledge, like, if those things get on the other side of us, like it is like, we have to, so we have to open it up right now and just confront everything head on. Like, that is a big heroic moment and yeah. like a giant choice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we get the fight on Titan, which I really like. God, yeah. That's it's like the most it's the most comic booky thing. My favorite yes. moment. Well, what my favorite moment, many favorite moments. The reason <laughs> that Star Lord is my problematic fave identity entry point character, unfortunately, like <laughs> is the moment where he's like leaping from like all the like platform to platform thing. And then he like slaps a dynamite on Thanos's back and then does the backward dive with his flip middle finger off and just says, boom, <laughs> uh, that moment, I like that. that moment, that's like the hottest moment in the movie for me. <laughs> so oh. Brett, now that we're at that moment, give us your defense of Peter Quill doing what he did because boy, does it piss me off. So yeah. And that's the point of like, I know that's I, the point, but I'm still pissed about yeah, it. <laughs> I realized the first time I was like, yeah, that was horrible. But the second time watching that scene, I did the thing that I don't recommend doing of like, okay, at this moment, imagine that if he had killed my husband. If I am Star-Lord and I just found out that Thanos murdered my husband, who I will never see again. And I was like, yeah, I would do the same thing. And then I like started to tear up in the theater. I was like, why did I do that? Like, I remember but, one time I tried to watch that Colin Firth movie, A Single Man. Cause, and then I was like, no, I don't need to do this. <laughs> I often put off movies where I'm like, uh, that'll make me cry too much. And then it's like, yeah. but it's so good. Uh, and I'm like, I'm sure it is. I just don't I feel don't like crying. I don't know. My whole defense is like, the whole movie is a series of choices. And every character all made those choices. And the weight of blame has to be on everyone. And the whole thing, the whole... Fallible characters are what I love. And there are so many nitpickers and like fanfic writers that just want to see their heroes who always make the right decisions, always do the right things or always hella competent. And I'm like, yeah, Starler would do that. That's, I don't know. I can just keep talking and blabbering about this. (laughs) I I totally agree. Like I, and you know, I don't want to always see people make the right choice. I think the thing that sort of irks me just a little bit about it is that it would have seemed to me, and I get why, you know, I get the story purposes. I get like, it's a great, it's a great moment in the movie because you do have feelings about it, whether they're positive or negative. Like it's meant to evoke something in you because you're like, oh my God, this is like the crucial moment and you just fucked it up. But like the thing that makes me frustrated a little bit is that he should have learned a lesson from the original trying to kill Gamora and it not working, right? So yeah. like now, like I 
I would love to see Star-Lord mer- learn more lessons a- that we can measure as an audience and see him grow. Whereas this felt like such a selfish choice in a moment that, um, and I get, like I said, I get it, I get it. But I just, I would have loved to seen him like, I don't, and I don't know what the answer is. I mean, obviously the answer might just be what we saw, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know about that moment. I do think that fight almost feels more intense. Like, I love the battle on Wakanda, but this fight feels more like comic book intense, right? Like, yeah, the well, teamwork angle. And everyone, yeah. Yeah. Everyone like, joins together with their powers and, like, so we, works off each other. And, you know, Nebula crashes her plane into Thanos, which I really appreciate. <laughs> I, like, yelled, like, fuck, when Thanos just, like, starts taking them all out. I was like, no. But then we go back to Wakanda. Brett, I think you wrote about this as well. I love the, when he's like, I am Steve Rogers to Groot's, I am Groot. Yeah, I wrote, so I wrote the, the I am Steve Rogers joke in Avengers Infinity War is the definitive Captain America moment because it is. Uh, Steve Rogers' whole thing is he believes people when they tell him who he is. And again, this is me getting very serious about a joke, but it is so telling that he meets a fucking talking alien tree that for himself calls, here's my friend tree. The tree says, I am Groot. And Steve doesn't make a joke. He doesn't seem, you know, flabbergasted. He just looks at him and says, like, I am Steve Rogers. Like, it's so sincere. <laughs> it's the exact same moment as in Avengers when Hawkeye spent the entire movie trying to kill them. He's like, no one's here. We have to go suit up. And he looks at Natasha and Natasha nods, and he's immediately like, cool, I trust you now, Hawkeye, because she trusts you. There's also the fact that he's a guy that was probably born in 1920, um, and he is not racist or sexist, which <laughs> people like Mark Miller in The Ultimates made Captain America. Mm-hmm. Because obviously you would do that. Like, yeah, if you were applying like, real-world logic, you'd be like, yeah, sure, everyone was racist as fuck in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. because Captain America is so inherently good, his team in Winter Soldier is Falcon and Black Widow, and he and trusts them implicitly, never questions their competence or their like status as equals with him. And so he so you come to this moment on the battlefield when he meets a talking tree and he's like, Yes, you deserve all of my respect. I will salute you. I am Steve Rogers. And it's beautiful. Brett, <laughs> Brett, you asshole. I just teared up with you giving me all this like, all these receipts as to why Captain America is great. <laughs> I mean, like, and it's the thing is, like, he is a cis, straight, white dude. And it's like, guys, this is who you have to... I- it yeah. comes down to the point of, like, Steve Rogers would not question his trans friends. They'd be like, yeah. these are my pronouns. This like, is my okay. name. And he'd be like, yes, I see you. Yeah. That is the whole, like, thing. I love that him so That is so much. beautiful about him. Why he is Captain America. And that's why it's so perfect. And it all is because of a talking tree joke. Like this is... <laughs> Then we get Starlet Witch going into the field, which brings me to one of my favorite scenes of all the ladies fighting together, which mm. is just so fucking good. And I wanted to read Leslie we Jones's... We haven't seen a moment like that in a Marvel movie, have no, we? No, we have not. And I wanted to read Leslie Jones's tweet because I just feel like this is really appropriate. It's a video. It's one of her videos where she's talking and she's like, I've been waiting for this. Ooh, that moment when you realize that you're about to get your ass whooped for all the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all gay. So like, I love seeing all the women fight. I was yeah. like, man, baby this gay was... me would have died for this. So there was I... uh, when Han Solo dies in Force Awakens, I had a full-on panic attack in the theater, and I'm that's not, like, I don't know, that says a lot about me, but I had a panic attack, and I lost all feeling below my jaw. Uh, 
this is the second time that this is the only time anything has ever come close to that. I didn't lose all feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene of seeing all of them fight together, but also knowing that like Scarlett Johansson's contract is up and I was waiting for her to die this entire movie. And so I was like, this is going to be it. And it, that moment is so perfect. And it still gets me every time. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just so fucking good. Okay. So you know how like, obviously Black Widow has blonde hair in this. If we're, if we're going to be gay for a second. And I understand that that has to do with story purposes having gone underground, but I have a theory that because they made uh, uh, Wanda's hair redder in yeah. this one. <laughs> they were like, you know what? We really need to do something else. Like, I just like, that's my theory. And I like Scarlet Witch defeats Proxima Midnight by like throwing her up in the air, which is a total badass moment. I really liked ScarJo's delivery of, that was really gross. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Splattered with all that blue blood. Yeah. It even like, like I also see... I was writing for Marvel.com, like doing a bunch of articles for them like six years ago when Jonathan Hickman was doing that huge Avengers run. And I had to like try to make sense of it in like these online bios. And so I had to do all this reading about, you know, the Gardeners and Proxima Midnight and uh, Cull Obsidian and all these. And I was just like these characters with all their complicated names and all this stupid mythology that Jonathan Hickman is just like dropping i made me so frustrated so i've always had this like weird grudge against all these characters for stupid reasons <laughs> and i'm like this movie this movie like i kind of want a proxima midnight figure now like it's kind yeah. of it's kind of uh rehabilitated all these oh. clunkily named characters in my eyes oh totally i was like oh i have no interest in like any of those characters and then i bought the proxima midnight marvel legend because i was like oh wait clearly i need her after seeing yeah. the movie uh so then um we get we go back to Titan. Thanos has basically disposed of everyone except for Tony. And I have to say, even watching it for the podcast, I still yelled when Tony gets stabbed, even though I know he survives. Like I've seen the movie before, which I feel like says a lot for the movie, right? Like it's still yeah. thrilling to watch this shit, even though you know what's going to happen. I, I really genuinely thought when I first watched the movie in theaters, that that would be it for Tony. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Same, same. I did. Th- I mean, I like I like, you know, when all those sort of I mean, for like what, for two years leading into this, how many like soul stone theories there were. Mm-hmm. And I had this theory that like Tony would somehow like die and or like manifest the soul stone. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I thought that maybe there that because he was the heart of the Marvel Universe, cinematic universe, that somehow there would be with his arc reactor would return in a way to manifest something. And now looking back, I'm like, you dummy. Like, why would you think that? Like, but <laughs> So Wanda, Wanda has to go kill Vision. And I know that I was like earlier ragging on their relationship. I didn't quite buy it. This scene is fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. And I, yes. it, I mean, it, they, they, they make this scene work. I tear up. I'm like, fuck, I feel bad for her. You know, uh, and then Thanos is there because he arrived in Wakanda and like shit is has gone to shit. The moment where Captain America rushes him and then that close up of I mean, it was in the trailers too of like yes. Steve like with the both hands on Thanos's the screaming. Infinity Gauntlet just screaming and it's like ugh ugh he's the best of us. He is yes. <laughs> I want to marry him. I want him to take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a couple of tweets going around. It was like Scarlet Witch having a mental breakdown, but also holding off Thanos and trying to kill her boyfriend at the same time. Like, oh. shows how powerful she is, and it really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Then, you know, Thor stabs Thanos, but he still snaps his fingers, 
and I still gasped because it's like Thor yelling no, and then it's the 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 whole you should have gone for the head, which is yes. my other you know point I make is like we're not getting on Thor for having bad aim, <laughs> you know. Come on, guys, <laughs> leave Star Lord alone. He should have aimed for the head. I mean, he should have, or at least the arm, like cut it off and cut it off. No, that, I didn't think about the arm. That's true. Like if you don't want to kill the person, at least. Chop their arm off. Guys, he had been through a, a lot. <laughs> a lot. So maybe you need to acknowledge his trauma a little bit. Thank you. No, Rocket already did that for him, so we can move on. Uh, <laughs> the feelings I felt when fucking Bucky stumbles on the screen is just like, Steve, and then just disappears. <gasps> uh, yes. I have to say that whole sequence, like the silence was something that I thought was such a nice choice because instead of sort of telegraphing it with like music and sort of swelling and like violins, like to just have that silent and then it just starts to happen and it's just all very real. It isn't, yeah. this is a movie and we've come to the giant. It's like really, really like affecting. And when, when, when Peter went on Titan, oh, um, I know we're not there yet, but I have to say like, watching that friday night in the theater the weekend that in infinity war came out yeah like the teenage girls in the audience were like yelping and oh, like yeah. weeping in a way that i was like oh my god like this is like and and you know so there was this 35 are... year old gay man <laughs> yeah and watching it like every single time someone died my entire theater screamed and, like, at the end of the movie, I heard, like, this silent whimpering behind us. And it was just, like, a, I don't know, eight-year-old boy who would just uh, oh, was, God. oh, my God. Because I'm, I'm, like, well, I know, hey, like, there's a Spider-Man 2 on the on the schedule. There's Doctor, yeah. like, I know they're not dead. But I'm, like, that little kid behind me does not, like, read, like, deadline. Right. Right. <laughs> it's nice that you didn't turn to him and you're, like, uh, you know, they've all got deals, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's that you know, that Empire Strikes Back moment or whatever, like, you look at your watch, it's like, they ain't gonna fix this. I remember thinking, like, waiting, like, oh, is this it? Is And then when that final, like, of, like, directed by comes up, I remember being like, yes, they fucking did it. They went there. That was crazy. Yeah, I, because I kept thinking it was gonna end, like, before a battle finish. Yeah. Mm. Well, even when he makes the snap, it's like, when it cuts to white, it almost seems like that would have been it then, right? Right. Every single character's disappearance made me cry. Like, it was, like, more and more and more. And then we built up to fucking Peter's scene, which, like, hurts my heart. That was improvised! What? Yeah, what? Like he, it, like, yeah. he improvised all that. On, because all of them shot their death scenes not knowing they were shooting. Like, they... Because they kept the entire script hidden. And they were like, okay, cool. So now you need... Like, I think Sebastian Stan talked about this. They, like, told him... Pulled him aside, like, okay, now you're going to shoot a death scene. You need to stumble out and, like, just say Steve. And yeah. that's what they shot. And so for Spider-Man, they were like, you're going to die. And then they, like, cameras roll. And then Tom Holland just, he held on longer. All improvised. Uh, the there's a, there was something that came out, I don't know, like, maybe a week or two ago. that, um, And I forget which actor it was with. But, like, they were all in a van. They basically were hoarded into a van away from people to be and told about this before they did it in a way that I was like, that is just got to be such a strange thing to not know as an actor, like what you're about to do. And it, this is like one of the biggest moments in your character's history. Do you think these folks are like really happy to do just like a regular movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, although there's something really kind of, I know this is like lazy of me, but I'm like, there's something kind of nice about not having to memorize too many lines. Yeah. So, yeah. 
like bring me in i'll do a bunch of fight stuff and i'll be like you know at the end be like <laughs> tired you know what i mean like i don't know yeah. give me like one line and give me a bunch of close-ups that's fine with me i guess i'm now realizing that not only did they have to improvise their death scenes like denai garaira had to improvise like she had to reach that well of emotion of watching t'challa die like being told like hey by the way this is happening now act I, yeah her and facial like, expressions are so good I can't imagine she's being an so actor good. and being told to like do that level of intense emotion kind of, I guess, on the spot. Yeah, like mm-hmm. just like, oh, and yeah. by the way, be really upset that everyone is dead. <laughs> All your friends are dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen if Shuri, because it would probably break my heart. <laughs> I would have liked to, if she could have been there to see her brother, just because I love her and I, I, I don't know. But it's such a good end, right? Like, I, I just think it, it was earned. We are upset these characters died, even though in this movie, you know, some of them barely had any. Like, Bucky maybe had five lines, uh, but Mm. we're still upset that these characters are dead. And Leslie Jones' last tweet about it when they're closing in on Thanos was just, man, fuck this guy. Fuck him, man. (laughs) (laughs) True. true. (laughs) Uh, But so then we did the cutscene of Nick Fury and Maria Hill. I was so happy to see Maria Hill again. Guys, I love... I love both of them, and I, I just love... It's weird because I, in the comics, I have a lot of trouble forgiving Maria Hill for Civil oh, War. See, give me yeah. that delicious, cold-ass bitch drama. I loved her <laughs> taking over during Secret Invasion and then just basically yelling at the Avengers nonstop for three years. I loved... I like that, too. <laughs> I love I like it. Too. And it's like, I want Kobe Smulders to be more of that. Was Maria Hill in any episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. Yeah, she was in yes. two or three early oh, on. I think, okay. I think only in the first season, though, right, Brett? Yeah. There might have been one in season two, but she was definitely in, like, yeah. a couple in the first season. Okay. And, and Nick Fury I, was in a few, too, in yeah. season one. Yeah. Okay. I really like that moment at the end, um, also just because, like, I just like the real world consequences thing again, yes. like where it's like all of a sudden that helicopter goes into that building and you're like, oh, my yeah. God, that's frightening. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's like absolutely frightening to think that like if that if something like that were to happen, like planes would crash, people would die and nobody would know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. 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 That leads me to uh, the question that I'm going to ask all of you that I will answer first. If you could change something about the movie, I would have wanted another one more mid credit scene showing more of that destruction. And I know that this would like never happen, but it should maybe like a blip of it happening to the crew of agents of shield, a blip of it happening uh, yeah. with our Netflix mm-hmm. characters. Um, and you know, I've seen or... people argue on Twitter, but the movies don't know who that is. The, almost my entire theater said what, when they showed the captain Marvel thing, also, That's like... all my friends sitting next to me were like, who, what's that symbol? Yeah. Like, pagers are not able to do that. Well, S.H.I.E.L.D. ones are, I guess. Yeah. I love the fact that the movie ends on all everything went to shit, but who's going to save us is a badass woman. (laughs) I love that. And who I believe will be the preeminent captain in the Marvel Universe going forward. Wait, I, to answer your question, by the way, and I don't know, this is just my own like sort of selfish thing. I don't really know how it would fit, but I would have loved to see the debut of a new character, not new, not new, like original, but like, I would have loved to have been like, Oh, here's another Avenger. And I don't know how they would have brought who to bring in or who to, you know, how that would have worked out. But like, I would have loved to a little debut or, or something, not, not a tease, not a Captain Marvel, but just like 
I I used to love stuff like like where it's like you just have to figure out how they got there. Where it's like, oh, we've been working with, you know, maybe yeah, Cap yeah. and and Black Widow started working with. I mean, I'm like not even like this isn't even a good choice, but like Tigra. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. somebody that they have sort of inherited that we can be like, ooh, there's a story behind that. I'd like yeah. to get to know that. You know, then there was that part of me that's like Adam Warlock, but that's like a totally that's, other situation. Yeah. Well, that's the hinted at the last scene Guardians. in Guardians. Guardians, yeah, yeah. yeah. Colin, what would you have changed if you could change one thing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think Kevin Feige will be listening to this. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, in that, in that case, Wiccan should have been in the movie. <laughs> and, uh, no, I think it would have been cool to see in the Wakanda scenes just more of like them teaming up instead of just like fighting the hordes. Okay. Definitely, like they did on Titan, like where everyone's powers kind of come into play. Right. Yeah. Together, I I, I like that a lot. But it does. It wouldn't have made sense, really, with just like an endless horde of people. Brett, what about you? Yeah, I would have liked to. I mean, like I live for Black Widow fight moments. Uh, I kind of like measure movies by how many there are, which I think is why like Civil War is up there, and also like Age of Ultron has the really great motorcycle scene where she fucking saves the entire movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so I would have liked because again, like I was trying to keep track of her during the big horde fight, but they didn't follow her. But what we get is great. Because, like, all of her moments in the 2012 Avengers of her fighting all those Chitara aliens, I love they just cut back, and she's exhausted and, like, screaming at the top of her lungs and, like, you know, jabbing them with her electro fist things. I love all those. <laughs> Give me some of those. And favorite, so we're going to quick rapid fire these. Favorite moment, Brandon? Um, uh, 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 <laughs> I still will say I think one of my favorite, my favorite moment, the one that first that always pops out to me is Peter on the war wheel or whatever it is, as you see earth in the background where you realize the gravity of like what is happening right now, where it's like this little boy from Queens is going into space and he doesn't even have any idea what's in store for him. Okay. Colin. Um, I'm going to go with two real quick. Uh, when black widow says she's not alone. Cause I just fucking love that scene. Okay. And when Spider-Man first enters the fight and catches the hammer before it hits Iron Man, because I just love whenever they show how strong he actually is. Yeah. Like in Civil War when he stops Bucky's fist and they're just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Brett? Uh, boom. In the middle finger. Right. Mine, <laughs> favorite fucking moment. Mine are Cap and T'Challa <laughs> running ahead of everyone and the ladies all fighting parts of Midnight. Uh, yeah. And what's your theory for the next movie? Brett? Uh, my coworker Alex actually had this idea, so I'll give it to him. Is that all six original Avengers are going to take all six of the Infinity Stones and sacrifice themselves, or like do a trade or something, and that's how they will go. Oh, all right, uh, uh, Colin. Um, they're going to use the quantum realm to go back in time and fix shit. Okay. Somehow, Brandon. I don't know how, but Brandon. somehow. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about it, so I just have to clarify that. Just to get out there. It's like, um, so I, w- I would say also the quantum realm is uh, involved. I think that they will, I think we will find out that like so many more things are connected throughout the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that like they link up all these like, uh, they link up a ton of stuff that we will just be like, oh my God, like that's crazy. Okay. Um, like really vague, but I I feel like yeah, the quantum realm will play a role that I'm not entirely sure of yet. Okay, so I think I also agree. I mean, we've all seen the set photo, so we kind of know they do travel back in time, at least at some point in the movie. D- is it travel back in time, or do one of those simulation things with 
uh, Tony's dad, you know, that technology yeah, yeah, where yeah. he, yeah. cause that's another thing that I'm like, is it really going back in time? Dream or are they sequence. Doing yeah. Got a lot of things. True. So, okay. Oh. So I think Hawkeye's that- Ronin costume though is in the movie. So can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for uh, you know what I also have to say I did not miss Hawkeye thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think the Cap and Tony are going to meet up they are going to be the only ones who travel back in time I think they are going to sacrifice themselves somehow to stop Thanos that will be the end of Captain America and Iron Man I think what they do will trigger mutants I think that's going to be put into the script but trigger it so mutants already exist in the present timeline so like they started existing the moment Tony and uh, Steve travel back in time. That's my theory. Uh, that is a very hopeful theory. <laughs> um, my, other, my other theory is that this Eternals movie they keep talking about is actually a secret X-Men movie because there's no fucking yes. way they're going to make a fucking Eternals movie. Yes, and I, as soon as they announced that Eternals thing, I was like, this is like one of those 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 faints. And then as soon as the you know everything else comes out they're like just kidding it's x-men <laughs> they definitely had people working on x-men scripts in that like script writer farm that like produced the guardians and strange and all them scripts like definitely i don't know for sure but definitely <laughs> <laughs> do we all give it an a i feel like we all give it an a right yes yeah yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you want to follow SlayerFest98 on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me, I am <laughs> at IanXCarlos on all social media platforms. Colin, where can people find you? I am at CSmith03. Uh, Brett, where can everyone find you? I'm at Brett White on Twitter. And Brandon? I am Brandon T. Snyder with an I on all social media platforms. And you can check out Brandon's Marvel books on anywhere, right? Anywhere where books are sold. Uh, yeah, the, the second one called Aftermath will be out November 22nd. Oh, nice. All right, cool. Thank you guys so much. And I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.